Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. What's up, TC family? How you doing? You know, after seeing that uh, interview backstage, I was thinking, man, Ben sounds so much more anointed with that Australian accent. And I was trying to think, like, uh, you guys are gonna, you're going to laugh at me, but I was thinking, like, okay, I wonder if I could do an Australian accent. <laughs> and, uh, and so if, so I was thinking, like, and I actually rehearsed it backstage to see if I could do it. Um, <laughs> and I still can't do it, but I'm going to try it. Hold on. I know it's so bad, and it's going to sound like a country Australian. Um, um, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Say, what's up, TC family? What's up, TC family? What's up, TC family? No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, man, that would, that would be so cool if I could just turn it on. Uh, but, hey, guys, I'm Ryan. I'm the uh, lead pastor here. And uh, welcome to our final week of our All In uh, series. We finally made it to the end of the series. And... Uh, As your pastor, I am so proud uh, of you guys. I know this has been um, a challenging series as we've talked about some kind of challenging topics and you guys have uh, leaned into uh, that series and um, it's just been been great. You know, uh, I learned a long time ago when I first started following the Lord that if something doesn't challenge me, then it doesn't change me. And uh, boy, I tell you what, this series has been uh, challenging. Um, But I've also learned that if we can't put Jesus first, uh, we're not going to stay the same if we can't put Jesus first. And so uh, today we're going to hop into uh, the final week of our uh, message series here, All In. And um, we're going to jump into the most challenging topic today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about our uh, money and our possessions um, awesome. Nobody got up and walked out. Awesome. I was wondering what would happen. Um, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six. And, uh, if you're new, uh, don't worry, we're not going to receive an offering or anything like that at the end of this message. Uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about what it means to be all in. We've talked about that, uh, from the context of just being generous. We've talked about it from the context of, of serving, Um, We've talked about it from, you know, several different um, contexts, but today we're going to talk about it from uh, our money and our possessions. So Matthew chapter 6, today's uh, title is Generous with My Stuff. Generous with my stuff. So let's prepare our heart for God's word today. Uh, Say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I don't know if you know this about monkeys, um, but monkeys are a fascinating animal. Um, but not only are they fascinating, um, they're selfish. Um, a hunter discovered in uh, India how to trap monkeys. Um, he discovered that if, if he could take a coconut and cut a hole inside of the coconut, just big enough for a monkey's hand to be able to to fit into it. That if he did that, if he tied a rope to the bottom of it, kind of hid off into the the trees a little bit, and then put some 
chunks of banana inside of it that because monkeys are selfish, that when the monkey would walk along the path, see the coconut, smell the banana, stick its hand into the coconut, that he could then begin to pull the monkey over to wherever he was and do the thing that just sounds awful. And I don't know if they eat monkeys or what they do in India, but you get to catch my drift. And what he discovered is that monkeys are so selfish that they would rather hold on to something that is theirs and lose their life than to let go of what's on the inside of the coconut so they could get their hand out and escape. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about that in the context of our theme verse that uh, we've looked at each week from Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to get to Matthew 6 in a second, but Matthew 16 Verse 25 says, if you try to hang on to your life, if you try to kind of control everything in your life, Jesus says that you're going to end up losing it. But if you give it up, if you live life with an open hand, if you're willing to hand in the, in the coconut, let go of the banana chunks, right? If you'll do that, and you'll do that, Jesus says this, for my sake. So not just doing it, not just being a, a generous person, just so that it comes back and you look good in the community and they got your name on the side of a, a brick wall or something. But Jesus says, if you'll live that way for my sake, then you'll end up saving your life. And, um, you know, I think most of us, most of us think of this, this story of the monkey and we kind of like, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around the fact that a monkey could be so selfish that would be unwilling to let go and lose his life over it. But if you really kind of think about it, we're not a whole lot different. I mean, a book was uh, released in 2008. This book is called Passing the Plate. And this book addressed what they called a generosity problem for American Christians. And here's what they discovered in this book, they discovered that on average, Christians only give 1.7% of their income to charities. 1.7% to charities. Why? Because we're so unwilling to let go. They said this, um, the writer said this, I got the quote up here on the screens. He said that uh, we estimate that if committed Christians and the U.S. gave just 10%, right? That's what the Bible talks to us about. Um, uh, I, what I've discovered in my own journey is that uh, without a benchmark, without a goal or a vision for my life, not just following Christ, but following Christ financially, um, then I'm always going to give underneath that. If I'm, if I'm waiting to give based upon what's in my heart, I'm never going to reach that right? And so Jesus puts out a, a benchmark. It's a goal for us. And, he's, and these writers say that, that if the U.S. gave just 10% of their after-tax income, that it would provide an extra $46 billion per year to impact the communities that they serve. Like 46 billion, now this is 2008, but $46 billion to put that into uh, a little bit of perspective. In 2008, the United Nations estimated that it would cost $30 billion to end world hunger. 
<laughs> so they're saying like those of us that, that call ourselves Christians that are following Jesus, they're saying like if all of us just did what the Bible said, then we could end world hunger and still have $16 billion left over to do other things with. They said that uh, a housing and urban development official said that it would cost $20 billion to solve the homeless epidemic in America. Now put all of that in light of the fact that last year, Americans spent $178 billion on Christmas gifts. And it helps you kind of understand why the writers talked about American Christians having a generosity problem, and it also puts into perspective why Jesus was so passionate about talking about money and our possessions in the Bible. And in Matthew chapter 6, we see Jesus warning all of us of, of this kind of selfishness in our life. Why? So that we don't end up just like the monkeys, that we don't spend our life like so looking at everything that we have, trying to control it ourselves, that the enemy could come along and steal, kill, and destroy from our life. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6 today. We're going to pick up in verse 19, and I want to share uh, four takeaways that I, I kind of observe from uh, Jesus' teaching here. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 19 through 24. Here's what Jesus says, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Now, before we go any further, I think it's important for us to get an understanding of what this word treasure means in the original uh, language. In the original Greek, what they are referring to is anything in our life that we would deem to be the most important, that we would place the highest value on. And so the easiest way for you to kind of figure out, to put your finger on what those things are in your own life is to think about for a moment, like what do you spend the most time doing and what do you spend the most money doing? The most time and the most money. And chances are those things would be your treasures. And Jesus says, listen, you don't want to store up your treasures, what you value the most in your life here on earth, but instead, he says in verse 20, store your treasures in heaven, where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And so the first thing that we see in these two verses, the first kind of takeaway from this is that where we invest our treasure matters. Jesus says where we invest our treasure matters. And I like to look at it, and I'm praying this marker works because it wasn't working before the, uh, yes, thank you, Jesus. That was going to get awkward if it didn't work. All right. So here's the way that, that I, I want to kind of illustrate it to you today is that when you look at treasures um, on earth and treasures in heaven, you can think of it this way, that there's two banks, right? There is a bank 
of me, right? This bank right here is focused on me. And then there is, I'm gonna get fancy here, yes. And then there is a bank of God. This bank is focused on others. And so what Jesus is saying is that all of us in our life, so let's draw a line, kind of a dotted line all the way across that separates the bank of me, right? My treasures that are gonna be on earth. Oh, misspelled. And then my treasures that are gonna be in heaven. Okay, and what Jesus says is that we all have a choice, right? It starts with a choice. And I think what's interesting about the idea that it starts with a choice is that most of us um, would think that it would start with a feeling, but I'm gonna kind of explain why it's backwards here. But here's what Jesus is saying is that we all have a choice. We're either going to invest our treasure in the bank of me, right? Or we're gonna make the choice to invest our treasure in the bank of God. Now, if you notice in the text, let's go back up to that last, um, the last part of the scripture uh, with 19 and 20. I, don't, I can't remember if they're on the same screen. Uh, Matthew chapter six, can you go back to 19? There we go. If you look at that text, what you will notice is it doesn't say um, in that text that, that, uh, that it's not okay to have nice things or to have a retirement account or to be able to have an inheritance, to be able to pass down to the ones that you love. What you will notice in this text is that what Jesus is saying is that we have to look at our stuff, our possessions, our money, through the lens of others. Not through the lens of me and what I can get out of it and what I'm saving up for, but through the lens of others. And in the next verse, we see why this bank that we choose to invest matters so much. Jesus says in verse 21, he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now notice here, again, talking about treasures, what we value, he says that wherever that treasure is, right, whatever choice we decide to make, where that treasure is gonna be deposited, that it's in that spot that our heart is gonna be, right? See, most of us would think that our heart, our feelings, I'm passionate about my kids, I'm, I'm passionate about automobiles or gun collections or whatever it is, that we would assume that our heart is gonna determine our choice. But what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you're gonna live your life that way where your heart determines your choices, then you're in a lot of trouble because the Bible says that the heart is the most corrupt thing, right, in our body. Like that's why you see so much sin, like what Ben and Brooke are talking about. You see what the culture of America today is because we've decided that all of our choices are gonna be based upon what we feel. So I don't feel like 
a boy, so I'm going to change my body chemistry into a girl. You see what I'm saying? Like, we have sin, wherever our heart leads, sin abides, okay? And Jesus is saying is that we have to start this thing out with a choice. No matter what we feel, we have to choose what we know to be the right decision. And we're either gonna, we're gonna make the choice of selfishness, that's all about us and our money this way, and our heart is gonna end up following that decision, or we're gonna make a choice that's about purpose and others. And when we do that, our heart begins to follow that decision. Here's the takeaway from this passage from, from 21, is that the location of our treasure determines the desires of our heart. So not the other way around. Wherever our treasure is gonna be deposited, that's where our heart's gonna be. Jesus is saying there is no way, I don't care how smart you are, I don't, I don't care how many degrees you got, I don't, I don't care, like, I don't care. I'm not saying I don't care. I'm saying God's saying, I don't care, like, how you choose to interpret Scripture, that if you're making a choice with your money and possessions that is a selfish choice about you and the bank of you, then your heart's going to follow that. He's saying there's no way that you can go this direction with your choices related with your stuff and have, have your heart all about me. Like there's no such thing as, as the compartment kind of plate, you know, those paper plates that keep food from touching. Um, I love those because I'm a, I'm a one compartment eater at a time. Um, and uh, what, what God's saying is like, you can't have all your compartments here and then the one compartment, your money and possessions, it'd be up here. He's saying it's impossible to live that way, that you're not going to have my heart. And so if we choose to make this choice of selfishness, then what this does is it puts me first and it puts God second or even later. If we choose to make a choice about our money and possessions that is a choice in the bank of God, then that puts God first and me second. It's a totally different way of living our life. Now watch this. Jesus uses this analogy in verses 22 and 23 uh, to help us better understand the consequences of which choice we make as we invest our treasures. Look what he says in verse 22. He says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. He says, when your eye is healthy, when you're making good choices, that your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. Now think about like, think about a dark room. You step into a dark room, what's gonna happen? You're gonna, you're gonna walk around and you're gonna be trying to fill stuff. You're gonna, you're gonna bump your knee and your feet on things that you don't see. You're gonna kind of stumble through that, trying to figure your way out. You're gonna get turned around in the room. That is the result 
of stepping into a room that is dark and that has no light. And if you think about your life and you think about which choice you're making with your money and your possessions, I can pretty much guarantee you because of God's word that if you are moving down this direction of selfishness with your money and your possessions, that you're living life that way. Like you're just kind of like, like, is this the right decision to make? Like, why am I still struggling with all these bills? And why does nothing, if it feels like I keep like hitting my head against the ceiling, I make no progress. Like we end up living our life that way. That's not an attack of the enemy. That is the, the consequence of a choice that we have made to live our lives open in some areas with God and closed off in other areas with God. And look at, so Jesus knew, like he knew in those days, he knew in our days that, that people were gonna kind of dismiss the, the teaching of this. They would be eager to follow Jesus for everything else except with their money and their possessions, that they were gonna come up with all kinds of reasons why they shouldn't have to do that. And then, and so Jesus, like, he makes a statement that kind of settles all that. He says this, and if the light that you think you have, right, you're walking around like this when it comes to money and possessions about selfishness and how much money I can save and how big of a house I can have. And some of those are selfish decisions. Some of them you're, you're wanting to provide for family. And I'm not up here telling you not to do that. Please don't, don't hear that. But what he's saying is, is that if you've got this mentality of um, trying to come up with reasons or theological positions of, of Jesus being wanting you to be all in in every area of your life except for your finances, then he's saying here at the end that, that how deep that darkness is. Like if you're walking around thinking that you're seeing light, how deep is that darkness? And and here's what we got to understand, a third takeaway related to that. And this is a big one. Listen, we can't be right with God if our heart is wrong with stuff. <laughs> we can't. We can't be right with God if our heart is wrong with stuff because God is over here. And if our heart is over here, then we can't be right with him. And I'm not going down the rabbit hole of whether that means that if you die today, you're not going to make it to heaven or you will. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. I'm just telling you, God has, his word says, immeasurably more than you could ever ask or think, right? That's down here. <laughs> That's not up here. That's down here. And if we're making decisions this way, and then we're saying, oh, well, Ryan keeps saying, throwing that verse out, but I don't see it. Why don't I see it? Like God's not who he says he is. It's because you're making the wrong choices. The choices you're making are all about the bank of me, not about the bank of God. And that's why Solomon, that's why, and so basically what that looks like here is that our heart then produces these actions, right? So this becomes our life. If we're down here making those choices, this is gonna be my best way 
of sun shining all over our life, right? And then this is darkness. This is us wandering around through life, feeling like, what's the point? Like, I'm just getting up earlier to make more money, to be more unhappy, and my marriage to be all messed up, and my kids don't talk to me anymore, and like, what's the point? And the point is this, is that we've been making the wrong choice. And that's why Solomon says in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he says, guard your heart above all else. Guard it. Why? Why? because it determines the course of your life. The choices that you make related to what's important to you and how it begins to to have your heart follow after that, like you've gotta guard that because it's going to determine the course of your life. The Apostle Paul said it this way to his, his protege Timothy in 1 Timothy, Six, chapter nine through, uh, or verse nine through 11. He said, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation. Long to be rich, meaning bank of me, right? It's possible to be rich and to be in the bank of God, but your, your perspective is different. You're looking at what God is blessing you with and you're, you're thinking it through the context of how can I leave a legacy? Like through the context of somebody in our church six weeks ago or so that sat down in my office and said, you know what? I don't have a lot of money and I don't have a lot of nice things, but I want to write a check for $100,000 because I believe in what God's doing in this church. And he said, you use it for whatever you feel like you need to use it for and just let me know. Friend, that is, that is a choice of purpose. That is a choice of making a difference, not just for his generation, but for your kids, your grandkids, their grandkids. You'll notice that as what he says here, the rich and they fall into temptation and are are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Um, A way that I would kind of interpret that is it it just causes you to move your heart and your life to move further and further away from God. Maybe you check the box off of church every once in a while, but you come and you don't, it's like, you're just there because you feel like you've got to show your face, like, but you don't really, there's like nothing really alive inside of you. It's because the choices that you're making are moving you further and further away from the Lord. And, and Paul says this to Timothy in verse 10, he says, for the love of Money is the root of all kinds of evil. Like he's not saying money is evil. Money's a tool. He's saying, he's saying that the love of it, like if the vision of my life is about dollar bills and it's not about souls, then he's saying that that, that is the root of a lot of evil, sinful behavior that will begin to rise up from inside of us. 
He goes on to say that, that in some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And Paul says in verse 11, he's like, but you, Timothy, like his protege, like he's, he's, he's beginning to, to coach Timoth Timothy to be able to kind of pass the torch of the gospel. And he's saying, Timothy, and I love this part, like, like he actually calls him through the lens of how God sees him. Like, Timothy, you are a man of God. I guarantee you Timothy wasn't perfect. And I think that's what, that's how God sees you and me, that you are a man of God. You are a woman of God. It, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it all right. But what are the choices? What's the course, the path of your life? And he says, you are a man of God. And because that is your identity, run. He says, run from all these evil things. What's some of the evil things? Selfishness and greed and, and control. And, and he says, instead of, instead of getting all caught up in that, he says, listen, pursue. And that, I love that word pursue because in the original language, um, it's a word that, that described a hunter pursuing their prey. I'm not a hunter, um, but if you're a hunter in the room, you wake up early, you have a plan, you have a location, you know what you're looking for. Sometimes you'll get out of the tree stand and you'll begin to walk through the woods and you're looking for tracks and you're looking for all kinds of different stuff like laying down and the, and the grass laying down. And, and that's, that's this idea that Paul is saying, like, like you have to pursue, you've got to hunt after righteousness and a godly life along with faith and love and perseverance and gentleness. He's like, listen, faith, love and perseverance and gentleness, those things like, that's not all that's involved in, in us following Christ. He's like, in addition to that, you gotta pursue righteousness and pursue a godly life. And then Jesus does this masterful job of how he, he kind of brings all of this together in the last verse. But the takeaway for this last verse is this is that from Jesus's perspective, it's either all in or not in at all. From Jesus's perspective, it's either all in or not in at all. Look, and I can prove it in verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. No one. He's saying, listen, you can't straddle the line here. He's like, you can't, you can't be all in in a couple areas of your life with me and then all in with areas of your life, you know, about yourself. Like it's one or the other is what Jesus is saying. And he says, he says when you begin to make that choice, he said, you're going you're gonna to hate one and you're going to love the other. He says, you're gonna be devoted to one and you're gonna despise the other, which basically that means like, like time, right? Time and energy. You guys are doing so good. So proud of you. I know this is heavy. I know it is. But time and energy and money, like he's saying, you're gonna either, you're gonna either crave that 
and your time is going to be focused on the things that please you and fulfill you. Your energy is going to be focused on the things that, that please you and fulfill you. Your money is going to be focused on the things that please and fulfill you. Or it's going to be down here. Your time is going to be invested in about making a difference in the lives of others. And your energy is going to be spent in helping other people come to know Christ and spend the rest of eternity in heaven. Like your money's gonna be focused on, on helping generation after generation after generation in this community discover Jesus and their lives be transformed. He's saying, you, you're not gonna have both. And I know some of you would think like, okay, well, here's the thing. I love money and I love making money and I love what it brings me, but I don't hate God. Like, so how can that, how can that, be, how can that be right if I can love those things, but, but I know that I don't hate God? And the reason why is because when you look at the Greek, the original language, the English translation doesn't do it justice. When you look at the original word hate, it doesn't represent the strong emotion that our word hate represents. It means that you value it less. That you value it less. So it's kind of like this, like if I said that I hate Chinese food and I love Italian food, all right, what the Greek is not saying with this word is that I hate Chinese food so much that I'm gonna rid the world of Chinese food. <laughs> That's not what it's saying. It's saying that, it's saying I would prefer Italian over Chinese food. And what Jesus is saying is that if we go down this path, we make this choice and we build our treasure in the bank of me and our heart begins to follow, then we're going to be, we're going to begin to value that more than we value what God wants to do. And so then when we, and we're not taking an offering, but I'm going to use that example. So then when we talk about a legacy offering, right, we talk about like here in a couple months, we're gonna receive a legacy offering for our students to go to youth camp, and we don't want, we don't want them to have to pay a dime. Like, we, we want DJ and Jay to be able to go out and get kids that don't even attend our church to be able to come and be a part of youth camp. And we're gonna do a legacy offering. And, and if I'm making choices in this direction with my life, right, then I'm gonna value something in my life more than valuing the souls of teenagers. And so when it comes time for legacy offering, ah, oh, Ryan's just up there saying, you know, we're raising money again. Well, I'm not gonna give. Like, like, why should I give? They're not my kids. It's because you've made a choice that's selfish. You've invested your treasure in the bank of you. Your heart has followed. Your life is struggling, Right? And Jesus says that you're going to prefer that direction in your life rather than that. It's so predictable. It's so predictable, the path that we see here. And Jesus closes it out with this statement that you can't serve God and be enslaved to money. But you can't do it that there is a, they are diametrically opposed. Like you can't be all about this 
and serve God and ask and tell God, God, what are you calling me to do? I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to devote my life to help others. Like you can't. Jesus is saying you can't do both. Either either you're going to make the decision to choose to put your treasure in the bank of me that's all about about me and what I want. It's all about me controlling what I have, right? The hand inside of the coconut and I'm not willing to let go. I don't care how many sermons Ryan does about this stuff. Like, like I am not letting go. I don't believe, you know, I don't believe that we're supposed to give. I give my time. So I'm not letting go. And what Jesus is saying is like, if we have that mentality, then we're gonna, be, we're gonna grow further and further away from God. Because in the bank of me, who am I trusting? Me. But in the bank of God, it's all about others. It's a bank that leads to righteousness and purpose and legacy. And, and the more that I live my life that way, the more that, that I become closer to God, it's It's the bank that's all about not trusting me, but trusting God. And church, Jesus says, this whole process in our life comes down not to a feeling, not to what you can logically kind of come up with in your mind, but a choice. I learned this a long time ago, that if I want my life to count, if I wanna be all in with God and I want, I want his resurrection power, right, that we're gonna talk about next week, that, that was in him that raised Jesus Christ from the dead live inside of me, then this is the choice that I've gotta make, is that my choices are gonna lead And my feelings are going to follow. Friend, if you get that backwards in your life and you allow your feelings to lead and your choices to follow, then you're going to end up in your life down this path in a dark place, questioning whether or not God exists and whether his promises are for you because that's not the way that God wired you. Now I want to close with this story, a story about my dad. He was back in 1990 and he had been saved for about a year and a half and was a single dad raising two kids. I was 13, my sister was 11 and working odd jobs. We had moved to Tennessee so that he could go back to school and get his degree in hopes of being able to provide better for, for us kids. And, and he talked about that one night we were, we were getting ready to go to a church service. And my dad noticed that we were out of milk at the house. And so his plan was to stop by the gas station on the way home to get a gallon of milk for his 13-year-old and his 11-year-old. And at the end of the service, the pastor asked everyone who needed prayer to to come forward. 
My dad responded because he was in a season of his life that he just, he needed a breakthrough. And he came forward at the end of prayer, it was offering time. My dad just began to feel like this compulsion to to wanna give, but the problem was is all he had in his pocket were three $1 bills and a little bit of lint. (laughs) Little did he know that this next few moments in his life would set the stage for generations of blessing in our family. And he heard the Lord say to give everything in your pocket and He did what most of us would do. We began to rationalize and he began to argue with God. He's like, God, you got no idea where I'm at, what I've got. All I've got is $3 in my pocket. I'm barely making it. I can't give anything because I've got, I got to get milk for my kids. He began, he said he began to feel the tension on the inside. He said it was so much tension that it almost felt like he was going to have a nervous breakdown. And the reason why is because he was in that moment wrestling with where he was going to store his treasure. Was it going to be in the bank of me or the bank of God? And as my father's stress level began to rise, he said that he heard a still soft voice whisper and say, just trust me. Just trust me. My dad was faced with a choice, which bank is he gonna invest in? And and he chooses to invest in the bank of God and with tears flowing down his face, he pulls out every dollar that he's got in his pocket. He pulls out a ball of lint because in his mind, God said everything and I wanna do whatever I gotta do to be obedient because I wanna trust God. And he, he pulls it out and he places it and the offering, and watch what, watch what happens. As soon as the pastor finished the prayer for the offering, my dad feels a tap on his shoulder. And when he turns around, it was a college student by the name of Bobby. College students don't sell yourself short. God can do something through your life that impacts generations to come. And Bobby in this moment trusted God and he shook my dad's hand and inside of Bobby's hand was $13, (laughs) probably, this would be my assumption, probably everything Bobby had in his pocket. I wonder what happened in Bobby's life because he was willing to hear God and to give everything my dad looks at Bobby and he's like, I can't, I can't take this. And Bobby said, yes, you can, because the Lord told me to give it to you. For some of you here today, you're probably thinking $13, like for a single dad with three bucks to his name, leaving church with four times what he came with. But even more than that, leaving understanding at the end of the day in a real and practical way what we say around this church all the time that God's got it 
and I what? And I trust him. It was the first of many financial miracles for my dad. But more importantly, it was God teaching him early in his faith this lesson that you've got to walk out of here with. That when you trust God, your life isn't in your hands anymore. And I don't know about you, but there's no better place to have your life than in God's hands. Am I gonna put my treasure in the bank of me where I've gotta trust me for the outcome? Or am I gonna put my treasure in the bank of God and trust God for everything in my life? The God of the impossible, the God of the supernatural, the God that can turn $3 into $13 and change generations of a family tree because a father now believes that God can do anything far beyond anything that we could possibly hope for or imagine. Would you bow your heads with me today? Friend James says in the New Testament, to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And I want you to ask yourself a question before we go today. Like at the end of the day, you heard a message, you were challenged a little bit, but if we walk out of this place just hearing and not doing, then we miss the point. I want you to ask in this moment, Say this between you and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today? Where's my heart? Is my heart in the right place? Are the choices that I'm making for my future, my family, are they in the right place? Do I have so much fear for tomorrow that it keeps me from being obedient today? Like, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the revelation of your word. Father, today, as we dig into a difficult topic, and Lord, as we pray and we ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Lord, I pray the last part of our congregational prayer that you would give us the courage to respond. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. God, I pray that they wouldn't walk out of this room fearful of trusting you. Lord, I pray that you would help them to see the path and the course of their life and give them the courage to do a directional adjustment. Friend, right now, if that's you and you just kind of, it's the, the Holy Spirit's just all over you, you're, you're, you're feeling like your heart's racing, your hands are sweating, you're knowing that God is speaking to you today and he's beginning to convict you of the choices that you're making. I just want you right there in your own words, right there in your seat, I just want you to say, Father, forgive me.
Just take a moment and repent for the choices that you've made. Now ask the Lord for courage. Courage to make the right choice. Courage that when I walk out this door, the enemy begins to throw reasons why I can't do this. Courage. Just like my dad had reasons why he couldn't give his $3. Courage to make the right decision, knowing God, that you've got it, that we can trust you. Father, we thank you for your word today. Give us strength and give us a vision in our lives, not about ourselves, but a vision of purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.